All right, what's up, everybody? <laughs> good, good to be here with y'all. Um, so, like Evan mentioned, if you don't happen to know who I am, just really briefly, uh, my name is Dimitri, and uh, I have the honor of being one of the youth leaders at our Columbia Church plant. So, um, hope that you guys are enjoying this weekend. Um, you've been getting something from these classes, and that likewise you get something from this class as well. Uh, so, we've been talking about dream busters, right? And uh, in this class session. Um, I have the, the, the privilege of being able to take us through looking at a little bit of what God wants to warn us about in the dream buster that comes in the form of pride. All right. Uh, so starting off, I wanted to begin by reading a quote from a guy named G.K. Chesterton. Um, it's OK if you don't know who he is. <laughs> I don't know a lot about him either. But uh, he says this about pride. Pride is the ultimate human evil. It is the last insult to God. It is the sin that denies sin. It means failing in self-criticism and abounding in self-praise. Chesterton also says that if he had only one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. He continues, the more I see of existence, the more I am convinced that all evil began with some attempt at superiority. Pride is a poisoning, so very poisonous, that it, is not only, that it not only poisons the virtues, it even poisons the other vices. Uh, so he, he, this doesn't originate, this idea that pride uh, is, is um, as many look at, the primary sin from which so many of the other sins flow. Um, that's not something that originated with G.K. Chesterton. I believe he looks through scripture and what God is trying to help us to understand about how dangerous this is. And this is obviously not an exhaustive list. I invite you guys on your own time, um, maybe do a study on the topic of pride and, and go through scripture, both Old and New Testament. And you'll see um, God's heart as he expresses how he how he feels and he disdains pride. But uh, here are a couple here I want to read off for you. The first one is in Proverbs chapter eight. Verse 13. And uh, so this this is wisdom. All right. Talk, talking um, almost in the form of as if it were a person speaking to us and trying to um, win our affections and our hearts and point it towards God in the right directions. And so this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 8, 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I, wisdom, hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Um, a couple chapters later, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 25, it says, The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. So again, what, what I hope to do is to be able to give us a good look at looking at some of the reasons um, biblically that God gives us of why pride is a dream buster. All right. Um, but also, like we, we looked at, not stopping there, being able to, to look at those things, take that wisdom, and like we saw uh, Robert talked about in the story of Joseph, right, that Joseph was given a dream. And although unlike in, in the keynote with Mackie, where Solomon also was given a dream, he's, he started well, he didn't end so well, right? Well, God intends for us not only to, to start well when he gives us dreams, he wants us to finish through the finish line faithfully. He wants us to finish well. And so my hope is that we can look in here and not only see the danger of pride, but that we'll get some, some wisdom of how to overcome that so that we can allow our dreams that God has given each of us to become a reality in our lives. That not only blesses us, but it blesses those around us. 
So as I was putting this lesson together, um, <laughs> I couldn't help but think about um, how many of you guys, raise your hand if you know who CP3 is, Chris Paul. All right. Um, it's okay if you don't, you don't watch basketball or anything like that. But so he's a famous basketball player. And um, a little while back on social media, he posted this, uh, this video where him and his son, you know, are kind of like trash talking each other a little bit or whatnot. Maybe some of you guys have seen it, but uh, he, he, he's trash talking with his son a little bit. His son started it off, you know, and so he's like, oh, man, this old man, he, 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 he thinks that he can beat me. He thinks he can shoot better than I can. But I got something to show him. And so basically what he was doing, the son was, was calling his dad out, this professional basketball player. He's calling his dad out to go, hey, I want all my friends to know that I can beat my dad in a shooting contest. I can make more consecutive shots without missing than my dad. So uh, I wanted to show it for you guys the way we have set up here. I didn't have it. Uh, you can maybe look it up later. But as you probably can imagine, <laughs> that ended up being a humbling session for the son. <laughs> All right, because he starts shooting and you can see that the apple probably didn't fall too far from the tree. He, he's got some talent there and he's shooting from the free throw line, sinks one, sinks the second one, sinks the third one, sinks, I think, about four. And then he gets to the fifth one and bang, <laughs> misses the shot. His dad is sitting there and just laughing, laughing his head off at him. And so he's like, all right, boy, hush, move off to the side and let me show you what's really up. And literally, it, it, it fast forwards. You know how uh, videos just kind of skip? It does a time, a time lapse. It had to do the time lapse, and they go afterwards and go, man, I had to sit here for like the last hour or however long it was watching my dad make 100 consecutive shots. <laughs> you know? So it was like the dad put insert the injury. He already knew from the start that this boy was going to be humbled tremendously, right? But it's almost like he gave, he gave him the humbling of his life. And um, so I, I couldn't help but think about that video. You know, something else that I think about is how often I kind of get to see that playfully happen as a youth minister on a regular basis, even here um, so far in our time here at Family Vacation. A couple of our guys that have come with us from, from Columbia, uh, they like to play wrestle, play fight, like probably a lot of you guys do as well. And so uh, they'll, look, they'll, look at, they'll look at me, they'll go, I think I can take you, and uh, obviously you can look at my frame. I could, I could see why somebody wouldn't be afraid and intimidated to do that, right? But what's so funny for me is when I get to see them try to approach my, bud, my best friend Kyle that way, you know? And they're like, oh, yeah, I can take Meech, so I can definitely take Kyle. And literally every time they line up square in front of them, how do you think that one ends? doesn't end very well. There you go. Speaking from first-hand experience, right? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't end well. And, um, the, you know, the interesting thing, guys, is, like, we get, we get to laugh about those. Those are, those are kind of playful sort of things that happen. But what God wants us to understand, again, is that pride is so dangerous that if, if, if we don't listen to the wise words that he and that others that are sent in his name into our lives are trying to get us to warn us away from having to make those hard lessons— that sometimes lead to mistakes and consequences that we can't take back. They're life-changing. They're life-altering. And so God is saying, hey, I don't want your dream to be killed. I don't want your life to be ruined. So listen up. Pay attention. So here um, next, I want to go ahead and go into um, my first section for you guys, all right? I want to try and 
keep this as short as possible, all right? But dream busters, so pride. How does pride hinder God's dream for me and for his church? Well, pride hinders me, uh, or excuse me, pride hinders God's dream for me and his church because one, and you guys can write these down, all right? This is the first one. It hinders that dream because it causes me to believe I know best. I know best. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says, some people think they are doing what's right, but what they are doing will really kill them. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12 says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them. So uh, I talked about humbling sessions, right? And you know, talked about some of the ones I've been able to see, but I've experienced several of those in my life as well. And um, I guess this one will probably be pretty funny for you guys as well, but it is etched in my mind, um, I, I believe by God, to always call me back to it. And uh, so this, this is how it basically went down. Uh, I was a fairly new driver. <laughs> <laughs> behind the wheel like probably a lot of you are, all right? Um, and I'm so super excited. I think not only super excited, I very quickly got overconfident. And so after church service one day, uh, my buddy Steve, he didn't have a car, so I was going to drive him back to his place, all right? So we get in the car. I, I, I crank it up. We're getting ready to back, uh, back out. And so basically he looks over at me, and he, he sees there's all kind of debris and cars parked Every which way you can tell people probably got their driver's license out of a cracker jack box, cracker jack box or something like that, right? But he, he's like, "Hey, man, I, I'm your buddy. I'm trying to look out for you. I don't want you to hit nothing. I don't want you to get in an accident. Be careful back, backing out." And literally, it's almost like I didn't let that that sentence finish getting out of his mouth. I look over at him, and I give him that look. Probably a lot of us give people a lot of times. We were like, "Look, hush." <laughs> Right. I was like, hey, look, I got this. I got this. And it wasn't more than a few seconds after I got this came out of my mouth. All right. I didn't realize this was all happening, that the, the, the momentum of the car was taking us backwards. And literally, we hear this big boof. And sure enough, I hit something that my friend Steve was trying to warn me about the entire time. Right. But what I say I got this. I know. I know. And uh, this, this was interesting. I was uh, sitting next to, to Ashley, as a matter of fact, because this happened. But if you remember, you know, one of the things that God spoke and communicated to us through Mackie when he was talking about the dream from Solomon, one of his points was about that, that word, uh, that, excuse me, that phrase. I know. I know. And so I talked about how I used it there. And we saw very quickly where that led me, right? But I also think about how often, as a youth leader, I, I, I hear teenagers and I hear people in our world let that just fly out of their mouth so quickly. Right? You guys, I know, Mama. I know, Dad. I know. I know. Jess, I know. Look, I got this. <laughs> right? Evan, Ryan. We got it. We know. And yet we have to look 
I believe a lot of times and in, in look on in sadness and frustration. Because we know, although you may think you know you got it. It's like me with that car. And it won't be before too long that you're you're sending your life like my car headlong into a wreck. Derailing yourself and derailing God's plans and his dream for you. So, like we said first, that's the first thing that we need to get through our head of the danger of the dream buster of pride is it can hinder me severely because it can get me into this mindset where I do think I know best, even that I know better than God of what's best for me and what dreams I should be uh, chasing after, what my life should be ordered and look like. And so it even goes beyond just saying to uh, other human beings and our parents and those authorities, but even to the ultimate authority. We may not allow it to come straight out of our mouths a lot of times, but our lives, our, our attitudes, our actions speak it very clearly that we're saying, I know, God, I don't need you to tell me. I got this. And time and time again, we see the wreckage that that leads not only us to, but how it hurts our ministries and the friends and the people that we claim to love and to care about. The second, second thing that uh, I wanted to point out to us that I believe scripture reveals to us is a way that pride hinders uh, God's dream for us personally, but also for his church of which he calls us to be involved in is it hinders because it feeds an, enti- an entitlement mentality. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 through 13, and basically just to give you a little bit of background, um, this is a story about a guy named Naaman, okay? And Naaman had what uh, a lot of us here, if you've been in enough Bible or religious circles or services, he had this skin disease called leprosy, all right? And uh, these people, anytime back during this day and age and in Jesus's life, anytime you ran into somebody that had this skin disease of leprosy, they literally were automatically considered outcasts. They were not allowed to mingle in with the rest of the community. They literally were put out into these camps way off outside the city. They were looked down upon. They were seen as disgusting, cursed, all of those sort of things. And, you know, a sad thing is not only if that wasn't bad enough, right, but physically what that, that would do to the person's body. Literally, it would eat away and it would rot the flesh, even to the point that at times body parts would fall off. They just come off. And uh, so, man, what a, as I think about that, right, and maybe you too, what a miserable way to live that sounds like, right? Heavy and burdened. And I can imagine that for Naaman, like many of those lepers and those people that were in that living condition, if they had one wish, like we are from the last keynote, I'm sure at the top of that list, one of the answers would be, I want to be healed of this leprosy. I want to be healed. I want to read this for you guys, though, because you fast forward a little bit. Naaman gets an opportunity. God sees him. And and part of God's dream for Naaman is that he could be healed of this, that his life could be changed. He could be different. And so through a series of events and some people that helped, Naaman is sent to one of God's messengers 
the prophet Elisha. All right. And so this is where we're going to pick up. And he's about to come to Elisha's door. All right. Listen to this. So Naaman arrived with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger out to tell him to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, and he will be healed of every trace of his leprosy. But Naaman was angry and stalked away. Look, he said, I thought at least he, Elisha, would come out and talk to me. At least do that, right? I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call upon the name of the Lord his God and heal me. And aren't the Abana River and Farpar River of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? If it's rivers I need, I'll wash at home and get rid of my leprosy. So he went off in a rage. But his officers, right, his friends around him, they, they tried to reason with him and they said, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply to go and wash and be cured. So as we read that, there's probably a lot that was wrong with Naaman's perspective and his attitude, right? But one thing I see here is, again, from that second point, I see an entitlement mentality, he, he had in his head what he felt like he deserved the healing process to look like, that God would send him and that the prophet Elisha would, would, would administer. This is how I deserve it to look like. Not that. What does that have to do with us? Well, you know, I, man, I love working. I love working with young people, with teenagers and um, learning and growing with them. As you guys have probably heard, just like I have, there are a lot of things that are said uh, about the youth, pe- uh, the young people of today. One of those is that with all of the technology and information constantly at your exposal, that man, you guys are some of the most um, uh, creative and, and entrepreneurial people that this uh, that this world has ever seen. All right, you guys are creative. You're tech savvy, man. You guys are go getters. Here's another thing on the flip end of that though, that is said about you guys' generation, if you don't know, is that also among those things, many of you tend to be very entitled. And it can come across, right, that, man, people are dealing with a bunch of spoiled brats. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, and I don't know, just to be honest, what some of the other youth leaders, what their experience is like. But I can imagine if you haven't heard from them already, right, that if you were to ask them, they probably would tell you that. Right. And that's not to downplay. Right. That that it's an honor, like I said, and a privilege to be able to serve you guys and to be able to uh, like like Ryan and Aaron um, were saying with those guys in here a few minutes ago that, man, you guys have youth leaders and people that love and care about you so much and they do anything for you. They give you the shirt off their backs. You know, they, they, they make sure that you're fed. They get you rides to and from places. Um, they're willing to sit and to, to share and to study the word of God with you. Um, they allow you to be around the kids and their family. They, they, they consider you a part of their family. I could go on and on and on and on and on, right? Of, of so many of the blessings that God showers upon, you know, a lot of you guys. And um, like them, like a lot of the other youth leaders that you guys have, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have that growing up. And how I wish I did. 
have an opportunity like that. And so, man, I look at it, though, and rather than woe is me, I'm delighted that God has brought me to a place that I get to witness him doing that for young people now. And that I get to be a small piece of that. I've seen that happen for y'all, um, that, that all of us get to do that. So what I want to point out here, though, again, as it gets back to pride and what I want you all to know, what I want, to, want me to see that God is wanting to communicate is when we get this entitlement mentality, this I deserve this, this is how it should happen. Again, it's very easy for us then in that mindset to decide, well, I want healing from God. I want blessing from God. I, I, I want this dream to come true. And so I want God's results. But I'm also, I'm also, I'm also going to try to stream God along. And rather than allowing God's results to come from me surrendering to God's way, I'm going to bring him along for the ride. I want the benefits from you, God, but I'm going to do it my way. Or the youth leader, right? Like Elisha here, he tells, he, he tells um, Naaman, go and wash. That wasn't the advice or the message that Naaman wanted to hear, did he? But it was a message from God and of God that could bring healing and transformation. How about you guys and me? When we have messengers of God that God has put in our lives, you have your youth leaders, you have, you know, your parents, uh, those of you that they're disciples and they're there, right? Or they're, or they're on the path of trying to do that and trying to live for God as you are as well. And so God has blessed you with those people in your life around you. Like Naaman was blessed with Elijah to deliver the message of the Lord. But you got to decide what you're going to do with it. And if you're going to be if you're going to be prideful enough, I'm going to be prideful enough that with those leaders, we quickly give them the Heisman. And go, no, I don't want any parts with that message. Then we remain unchanged. We remain unhealed. And we remain stuck in places where God is not able to fulfill those dreams he longs to fulfill in and through us. Um, so a, a little bit about me, you know, guys, um, an interesting thing about this if you were to ask me. <laughs> and I think this is a tricky thing about the sin of pride, right? Is so often those that are the most prideful or that are prideful in the moment fail to recognize it, right? And it can come in all kinds of forms, shapes, and sizes. So something that I have learned in my latter years that I didn't recognize was happening all throughout my teenage years and as I was growing up is uh, I wouldn't have looked at myself, wasn't a very uh, outgoing guy, um, all of that sort of stuff. And, and so very reserved, um, very, very inward focused, all that sort of stuff. And so had you asked me, I wouldn't have looked at myself. I could have easily maybe looked out at other people and gone, yeah, he looks or she sounds super arrogant, you know, or things like that. But I maybe never would have seen myself that way. Others maybe not even would have seen me that way. But secretly underlying... Right. What looked like like humility in a lot of kind, a lot of cases was false humility. It was really pride. Right. Um, more specifically, what it would look like a lot of times in my life is insecurity. You guys have heard that word before. Right. Insecurity or I'm feeling insecure. See, an interesting thing, though, like I said, is I didn't connect the dot until my later years as I, I moved up here. And I've been a part of the crossings, church plants. 
um, and now in Colombia, that God has used his word. He's used people like Ashley and RJ and, and some of your other youth leaders that are some of them become some of my close friends. And I've been a part of God's discipling process with me. But one of the things that God has helped me learn is, man, Dimitri, for a long time, you have been dealing with pride. It maybe just didn't look like you thought it looked. But insecurity is a form of pride. It's a form of pride, right? And really quickly, you know, for those of you that maybe you're like, hey, I can relate to Demetri when he says, yeah, I, I feel insecure a lot of times. I, I think to myself things like, man, um, I don't feel smart enough. I don't think I'm enough. I don't think I'm talented enough. I don't think I'm this. I don't think I'm that. I don't think I'm gifted. And yet, God says differently if we look throughout his word. He makes promises and he makes truths that are real and they'll never change whether we choose to believe them or not. But when we choose to believe our feelings and what our feelings tell us over what God's word is telling us, what truth is saying, then again, that's just as prideful as somebody blatantly coming out and going, no, God, I don't believe you. I refuse to accept that. They're not all that different. And so whether, whether, you know, you guys sit in here and like me, it's that underlying threat of pride that comes in the form of insecurities and things like that, or it's very blatant and outward or somewhere in between. God is saying that we all need to make sure we're doing hard checks to make sure that we get our pride in order and that we overcome it before it overcomes us and deals with us. The third thing is... Pride hinders God's dream for me and and his church because it places my focus on the wrong things. And I bled over into that a little bit, like I said, as I shared a little bit of what life was like for me um, and and dealing with a lot of insecurities. Um, Just just to give you a little more background on it and then I'll move on. Um, I'll read this verse along with this point and then move on. But to flesh out a little bit more for you guys where a lot of that insecurity stemmed from was brokenness in in my upbringing, brokenness in my home. Um, Maybe in a lot of cases, a place where I I look to find stability. I look to find somewhere that um, I I could find my identity and who I was and who I was meant to be, right? Um, And yet we had so much turmoil, like I'm sure a lot of people in this room, and you know in your schools and in this world are dealing with, right? But um, one of those things came most at, at, at the hand of divorce. So I'm a child of divorce. Um, you know, my parents and, uh, you know, to this day, there, there are some unanswered questions that I have about why and so much surrounding that sort of thing. And for the longest of time, guys, I can tell you um, the unanswered questions, the devastation of it just coming out of nowhere and blindsiding me and seeing my, my family, what I felt like was my rock, <laughs> literally being ripped to shreds and shattering. It felt like. When that shattered, I shattered. I shattered. And, um, and all that was left was anger, sadness, and bitterness. And for a long time, I felt I had the right to be bitter. <laughs> right? I had the right to be bitter. I had the right to be bitter at my parents. I had the right to be bitter, you know, at my sister or other people and things like that. And it took time. It took a process of me getting to a point where I had to realize, Dimitri, that's nothing but pride. 
It's nothing but pride. And like we're talking about in this lesson here, that pride is going to kill the dream that God has for you and the path that he looks to set you on. And so I don't know what type of hurts and sort of things that you guys are dealing with um, in your home or along your journey at school or whatever. But I hope that as you hear that, that you can you can know, yeah, these things can stem from something. And as much as we can want to want to, um, as Aaron talked about in the last session, we can want to look at that. And like I did, I want to get bitter. I want to be angry. I want to play the victim. What was me? I'm justified. And feeling the way I do. And if things don't work out, then it's not on me. Right? It's on mom. It's on dad. It's on whoever. Again, guys, that's pride. All right? Um, I'm, I'm not justifying or excusing, um, again, some of the bad decisions that, that are putting us in positions at times in our lives. Right? People make bad decisions closest in our lives. It's out of our control. It impacts us. It does. But although we can't control that, we can control how we respond to it and what we do moving forward with the opportunities and the dream that God still calls us to. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. And so one last thing that I want to talk about there about, again, placing our focus on the wrong things is, again, it can happen, guys, in the form of, hey, man, woe is me, or I'm the victim. Um, I can never amount to anything because of where I come from or how I was brought up. Or, man, I don't have any gifts or talents or any of that sort of stuff. Here's the flip end of that one as well is that for some of you guys in your youth group and in your, um, and in your homes, you can decide to take that and go to the other extreme and decide that rather than focusing, like God says, on knowing him and drawing closer to him and helping others to know him and sharing his message, we're, t- we're too busy focusing on and entertaining other things. We deem more important, right? I'm going to focus on using my God-given talents to focus on what I want to do. I'm going to go do me. And that's just not what God has set for us. So as we get ready to, to, to kind of wrap up on the second end of this, I want to really quickly go through how do we bust this dream buster of pride and overcome it so that we can watch God-given dreams in our lives come true. Well, a couple things. Busting this, busting this dream, uh, busting sin of pride requires me to, one, seek God's glory and not my own. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or not eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father, not us, glorify your father who is in heaven. So a couple things on that, right? It says, whatever we do, make sure we're doing it to the glory of God. I have a question that I want you all to to think about. 
not only in the session and as we finish, but throughout this weekend, along with some other questions we've gotten to ponder. As you think about your schedule and your priorities that you've placed in your life, why do you do what you do? And who are you doing it for? And obviously, right, we know what the quick right Bible answer is, is for God. But again, let's all slow down, right? Be still a little bit and maybe allow God to show us something that we otherwise would never see. That could be a danger to us, to our hearts and to our lives and to those around us. And what one of those things could be, right, is that we could be so prideful enough to say out of our mouths in one breath that, man, I'm doing this for God. When really what underlying my actions, my attitudes, my choices, and otherwise, the evidence points to otherwise, that I'm not doing it for God. Right? And so I'm stamping his name on it. I'm trying to drag him along for the ride. And yet he goes, I don't know whose glory you're doing that for. And I don't know where you got that from. But that's not about me. You're making that about you. You're making it about you. And so how do we not make it about him, right? It says, it's, it's, it's not that you can't go, guys, right? And as we look at certain things, again, if, if my schedule and my parties include things um, like exercising the gifts and talents and the wisdom and knowledge that God has given me, he says, I've given it to you for a reason. Yes, use it. But when he says he wants it to be to his glory, notice what it says in Matthew five sixteen. there, right? It says that, you let your light shine in such a way that it's not so people then can look at you and go, wow, look at how great of a guy Dimitri is. Or how great of a guy or girl fill your name in. Right? He says that, that's not the point. It's like those, uh, those guys, and I, I can't help but think about it with uh, my buddy Logan up here, but he, uh, he's in theater tech. I don't know a lot about theater and plays and stuff like that, all right? So give me some grace if I get some of this wrong. But just to kind of keep it simple, um, if any of you guys are into that or you've seen those sort of things, they have like those spotlights that are there on the, on the edge, right? And so I, I don't know, to my, what picture comes to my mind is that God has made us this spotlight that is able to shine that beautiful, glorious light, right? To give people vision and to point and to direct them towards a certain person or in a certain direction. And, and yet that spotlight over there, guys, right, it's not meant to be there so that the entire time while the play is going, <laughs> it comes on, it's shining down on the actor or whatever, and everyone's just staring at the whole time through the play like, whoa, <laughs> that light's so cool. I'm just going to stare at that the whole time I'm here. That's not the point of why those were designed, right? It, it, so maybe initially our attention is drawn to that, but it immediately because of how it's choosing to be used, it quickly points our attention where it needs to be and who it needs to be on. And so that's what God is saying. We all need to be making sure we're doing. Yeah, go out and do good. But like Jesus, it says in the scripture that he went around going, doing good, letting people know that God was with him. And that's why he was able to do the good things that he was doing. And so do good, but tell people why. And the why behind that should be God and for his glory in advancing his kingdom. Two, I'm able to bust the dream-busting sin of pride, not only by seeking God's glory and not my own, but secondly, by mimicking the attitude of Jesus. 
In Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, it says, Rather he, talking about Jesus, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so where we came in there, guys, uh, you're not able to see this. But if you look a little earlier in context in that scripture, it's helping us understand that Jesus was God. Right. He's he's every bit of, of, of God as the father is. And yet, if anybody had reason to go around and going, serve me. <laughs> right. Um, I'm seeking glory for myself. If anyone was, would be justified in doing that, it would be God. It would be Jesus, right? And yet the son, it says there, he didn't choose that to be an opportunity, although he could have for that to happen. He set an example for us to follow, right? Which is regardless of what you have, regardless of who you are and what you look like and how, how, how good you think you got it going on. God, God says, follow the example of Christ, which is to be a servant, to have the heart and the attitude of a servant, right? And so I'm not here, as Jesus said, to look to say, serve me, serve me, take care of me, do all this for me. And again, as a part of our growth process, right, guys, that has a proper place, but God doesn't ever intend for us just to stay consumers. All I'm going to do is consume, 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 consume. He wants us, if we're going to become more and more like Jesus, as we follow his example, we're going to serve more. We're going to care and love more the same way that he and that others have poured into and done the same for us. Right. We now get to do that for others. And again, that's connected to that dream that God has, not just for us. That sees his kingdom advance and more disciples made, but we get to be a part of participating and being used by God to help that become a reality for others. But that's not going to happen effectively if we don't follow the one that started it all and that it's about, right, which is, which is, which is Christ. Thirdly, I need to listen to godly instruction. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger men, of lesser rank and experience. Be subject to your elders. Seek their counsel. Real quick, I'm going to stop there. I want you guys to say that with me out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Seek their counsel. One more time. Seek their counsel. All right? Thank you. I needed to hear that. And and hopefully maybe some of you in this room, as, as we said that, right, you hear me say that, you go, I'm right there with you. I need to hear that too. I need to hear that too, all right? Because here's the thing is, it's one thing for it to say we need to listen to godly advice that comes to us. And best believe, again, because God is, God is fighting for your heart and he is fighting for that, that dream that he's given you. He's fighting for that to be fulfilled, whether you are or not, and that will never change. And one of the, one of the evidences that he's fighting for us, again, is none other than the godly leadership and influences that you have in your life. They're there because God brought them there. All right, it's not a random coincidence. And one of the reasons he has them there is to, distru- uh, to instruct us in the way that we need to go. So we're not trying to figure this thing all out by ourselves. And so they're gonna love us and care us enough that they're gonna initiate and they're gonna share those loving and truthful words. 
But here's the other thing I get from this that I feel like as I look back, right, over the last year, we're at we're the beginning of a new year, right, and people making New Year's resolutions. And so one of the ones that's really been heavy on my heart, and especially as I started putting this lesson together and I came across this verse, God kept directing my attention back to that, that, piece, that piece there that I had you guys say out loud. Seek their counsel. And so that's, that's I, I feel like is slightly different than the listening, right? Because listening can imply, well, yeah, if they come and they tell me, then yeah, I'll hear them out and I guess I'll decide I'll do what they have to say. And that is important. But I believe God wants us to, to take that even a, a, a step further and to go, don't always have to wait for them to chase you down, right? To want it badly enough for you to tell you the truth and tell you good things and point you in the right direction. Hopefully, you want it as bad for you as they want it bad for you to be pointed in the right direction and towards God and towards his purposes. And so if you really do care about that and you want that for yourself, one of the ways, guys, that we show that is we don't wait for them to always initiate. We learn to initiate and to go out and look for them and to seek out our leaders and that good advice and wisdom that God has placed in them to be able to pass on to us. And uh, so anyway, I, I'm going to finish this and move on from that. But um, I hope that you guys are with me. Those of you that, uh, that know me and are able to keep in contact, I want you to hold me accountable on this and ask me about it every now and then and go, hey, how have you been doing about that? Because it is a New Year's resolution that unlike what we see so often in our world, I do want to resolve to be better about it and to grow in this year. And so it continues. It says, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. In other words, tie on the servant's apron, for God is opposed to the proud. Otherwise, uh, in, in other words, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Um, one more as we, we wrap up, right? And this is the last one. So really quick, going back through how, how we bust this dream buster and we're able to overcome it to see God's dream fulfilled in our life. And so the first thing, right, is we say we, we seek God's glory and not our own, right? What's the second one? Anyone remember the second one? You can say it out loud. It's okay. Yes, mimic the attitude of Jesus, right? The third one we just talked about is listen to godly advice and even go further and seek it out. And this last one is that I recognize my ever-present need for God. And I want you guys, as you write that phrase down, to underline ever-present. My ever-present need. And so what that means is it never goes away. And too often I've seen guys where maybe I have started well like Solomon did, of chasing after God's heart and chasing after his dream and his purposes for me. I'm around the right people I need to be around. And then for one reason or another, eventually I, I go off into a ditch somewhere, right? <laughs> and I just decide I'm just going to settle in there until I get kind of dug out or I come to my senses. Um, and, and while some of those things I think guys are, are going to be a part of it, we're going to make mistakes, we're not always going to get it right, I believe sometimes that can be a cop-out, right? And what that, really, what that can show a lot of times is we have forgotten what maybe we recognize at one point, our need and our desperation for God. Then he blessed us, he changed us, 
things started being different and better, but we forgot why they started being different and better and why we were different and better. And it all started and ends and, and continues with God, right? The moments that we forget that, that we need him, pride is set in and you're in trouble. And what the Bible assures us is a fall is not far behind that. Okay? But that's unnecessary hurt, guys. That doesn't need to happen. If we can resolve to continue to recognize our ever-present need for God, that'll help us in being able to battle and overcome pride in our lives. Um, I appreciate you guys so much. I'm going to end there. Um, I hope that this has blessed you guys' hearts and maybe even encouraged and challenged you in some ways that it has me. And uh, I pray that the rest of the retreat is able to be transformative for you guys. I'm going to pray and we'll be done, okay? Father, thank you for, um, as we sang about a little early in one of the songs earlier today, um, or yesterday, um, time, time is kind of <laughs> jumbling together for me right now. But God, it's that song that talks about your goodness. And, and, and God, that you have revealed yourself to each and every one of us as, as a part of the dreams that you've given us for our lives, God. And what not only our lives could be, but what we could be. Something extraordinary in your hands. And it stems from your goodness that flows from you continually. God, I thank you that we're not only able to uh, have that revealed to us, but that if we're willing to allow our hearts to be shaped and molded and led by you, God, by your word and by your people, that you can help us to be people that continually live in and experience your goodness. And even further than that, that as we continue to continually participate in it, we can go out and we can be a part of sharing as vessels of righteousness in your hands, God, sharing that goodness of yours with so many others that are desperate for it as we are. God, I pray for the hearts of these young people. Um, shape them, move them in the ways that, that needs to. And God, even break them down and soften them in ways that that needs to happen. That your glory may take place, God, and that your spirit may have its way. Be with us all throughout the rest of this, uh, this retreat. And uh, God, again, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.